Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome back to Oz Business Australia's only uh, business and market streaming channel. Uh, great to have your company as we kick off the afternoon, as we always do with the call. Ten stocks that um, you want us to have a look at. I put it to our expert panel for their analysis, and we get through those ten stocks in sixty minutes. And uh, we add in a couple along the way as well. And uh, a very big welcome to Maitan Somersandaram from Deep Data Analytics. Maitan, good to see you. He's recovering from. Were you going for Penrith or the Bunnies last night in the in our no. grand final? I actually grew up in uh, South Sydney, uh, went to South Sydney Juniors gym, but I actually went for the Panthers on the numbers. Oh. Uh, I, thought, oh. I thought they would take it by six. Storm and Panthers are the, statistically the best teams. Mason, Mason, Mason. You, do, you don't do it by the numbers, you do it by passion. You do it by loyalty. Uh, Koshi, do... my, my team is Tigers. Oh, and... right, okay. Right. I, and I'm a suffering supporter for decades. Oh, I was okay. there when Benji did the flick pass to win the grand final. I was there <laughs> and I've been crying every year since then. <laughs> All right. Well, Dorsey, Shore and partner, you're on the Guernsey at Manly, aren't you? We which, are. Uh, which we got are. oh so close. Just a little bit short, but my team was south last night and it was a great game, but uh, just couldn't put it game. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a really great game. All right. Let's get into it. On this Monday, and of course, we're into the second week of a, a bit of a series I started uh, called our Future Fund Stock Series. Now, we've already heard uh, Maitland's suggestion last week. He uh, looked up family zone or suggested. So uh, the floor is yours, Adam. What stock would you buy today? Put in the bottom drawer to help fund your kids' or grandkids' education costs going forward. I get asked this a lot by grandparents and parents. And uh, yep. considering I've got a daughter and a daughter-in-law, both due next month, it's uh, top of their mind. They're looking to me. I'm saying, well, no, I'm not putting in any money, but I'll give you some suggestions on a fund you could start. <laughs> what a great grandparent you are. What a great grandparent. <laughs> uh, so my, my pick uh, for the, uh, the future fund is, uh, and I own stock in this, so this is uh, one that I, that I hope, hold personally, it's a small company called, and I've talked about this before, but Global Data Centers, GDC is the stock code. This one is a really good business because basically where does all the data go? It has to go somewhere. Every time you put it on YouTube or open up an email, those kinds of things, data has to go. Now that's talking about cloud or cloud computing. It doesn't actually go into the cloud. It goes into a storage warehouse that's air conditioned and security, uh, a tight security tight um, uh, box, uh, right. basically a building. So um, GDC, these guys uh, are like NextDC, but they've gone for the global side of things. So they've got um, data centers in Guam, which a lot of people don't know, but it is very much a big interchange sector for the internet going uh -huh. forward. Um, they've got uh, Latin America. 
They've got some French data centers uh, and they're moving to get some more. They just raised some money at $1.93 and that's why I'm looking to talk about this stock. At $1.95, I think it's fantastic buying here. Um, I also think that they will make some more uh, very good acquisitions or acquisitive acquisitions going forward. So that's going to allow them mm. to do quite well. Uh, and it's just a small little business that is one to put in the bottom drawer. And I think you'll do really, really well over time. So GDC is the stock code. We've got a buy on it here at Shore & Partners. Okay. All right. That's an interesting one. You have uh, a pretty good track record. I was just updating our uh, portfolio of stocks that could change your life uh, list. And uh, yours is coming up a bit later this hour in Calix. Yes, And Calix. Uh, since you suggested it, it's done pretty well. So uh, yeah, I didn't know you kept uh, that close yes. an eye on our recommendations. Yes, That's a bit scary. I do. Yes, I do. So uh, <laughs> it's fascinating how, how it's been going. We're going to talk about it a bit later in the week, just an update. Even though it's only three months on and the whole idea of Stock to Change Your Life is something for 10 or 15, 20 years, but it's an interesting exercise. All right, let's get into um, the stocks that uh, you want to take a look at today. And Nathan Blake wants a view on Navigator Global Investments. Blake says it looks like it's uh, presenting fairly good value at these levels. Of course, it's a listed investment company for the US-based Lighthouse Investment Partners. Uh, what do you think of Navigator? Yeah, look, this is a stock I've followed for a while. Um, I like them because of the fact that uh, a lot of their funds are long short. So in a choppy market, uh, tough outlook, these guys should hold up better than uh, long only funds. So that's one of the reasons I always look for unique uh, uh, offerings and uh, Navigator Global is one of them. Um, obviously, when the pandemic hit, um, you know, there's a lot of the asset class, asset managers struggled. Um, some of them bounced back well. Uh, the market's still a bit skeptical about fund managers. And I think right now the market's worried about the market, obviously, where the asset prices are with tapering coming on and cost of borrowing going up. So it's going to be negative in the short term for the overall sector. I mean, you only have to look at the market, darling, in Magellan, and you realize what's happening. Uh, but they have a scale issue, how big they are. Um, with uh, Navigator Global, they've done some e interesting deals and their exposures are interesting because now they've added uh, uh, their alternative investment side of things. And when you've got markets at all time high, you want to diversify. And these guys offer that diversification in long short, in alternative investments and so forth. So I think it's an interesting stock. I like it. It's come back. It's actually now back in an upgrade cycle after being in a downgrade cycle for a while. Uh, look, the management, look, it, it's a tough market. Management can only do as well as what the asset prices are doing. And for these guys, I think the dynamic is quite interesting. It pays a good yield. So I, don't, I like it. I mean, I've been a fan. It's one of those ones I look at whenever market looks dicey. And right now the market looks dicey. And I think Navigator Global looks pretty good here. Okay. All right. Better than Magellan? Yeah. Look, we've been, uh, well, look, we went on a sell on Magellan when they were in the 60s, simply right. because for their scale, they were basically uh, overweight U.S. and it's really hard for them to move out of U.S. Um, and go into emerging markets. So there's a capacity restraint for them. So I'm waiting to see how that plays out. But Navigator Global is much smaller and they work in different asset classes. So for them, they've got a lot more leverage to play with. Mm, okay. Uh, Adam? Yeah, look, it's an interesting one. And, and to go on to Nathan's uh, points there, um, their net cash position is around about $52 million at the moment. Uh, looking that they can also pay a dividend. And, and I think that dividend is is somewhere around that sort of 8% yield. So 
it doesn't actually sit too bad with me on uh, those sort of cash positions and the dividend yield going forward. I think this one uh, is struggling a little bit. And exactly as Nathan said, there's a lot of these fund managers are struggling with what's going on. For me, it'd be a hold. I, I, you know, you look at that chart and you sort of think that they had a good run in 2018 and then it's just been sort of moving sort of lower to, to sideways going forward. So I, I think, you know, it's, it's all about funds under management and looking for advice under management. Their funds under management is around about 13.9 billion, uh, which is up about sort of five and a part, five, six percent. But outflows were pretty slow as well. They, they, they reduced their net outflows from 170 million. So it's actually, you know, bringing more funds in and not a lot of funds going out. So I think that's really key. I really like P&I uh, in this sector. Um, that that one is is probably a better one for me uh, for uh, for growth, and that's a um, not perpetual perennial. Uh, that's that's a fund manager that's doing really really well, and I think he's taking a lot of market share from the Magellan side of things. So to be a hold for me, I want to see that share price start to tick higher before I jump in. Okay, all right, uh, Dorsey, uh, Steve wants a, a view on Bissaloy. Uh, uh, it's a steel manufacturer. Uh, with the difference. Um, it's in mining, transport, defence and armoured vehicles. Uh, and Steve says, as Australia continues to push in defence manufacturing, minus uh, the poor naval group subs in brackets. Oh, Steve, it could come out. <laughs> off, all right. Uh, I think the growth pending winning contracts can come. The one thing that worries me is a smallish trading volume. On a side note, Macam Turnbull has a 2% holding in Bizzaloy. Now, he's a pretty canny investor. What do you think of this? He is, and I, I saw some headlines that he was giving away a couple of million to his kids the other day as well. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, he's, doing, he's doing all right. Uh, so, look, I think this one trades on a really cheap multiple. So, that I think that's a tick definitely for me in that space. I definitely think steel or hot, roi- hot roll coil prices in the US have had a certainly had a, a very large pullback and now starting to recover a little bit. There's probably a little bit more downside to that. But again, you know, with the steel price, you, you, that follows, uh, or sorry, the commodity price leads and then the share price will follow. And certainly the blue scope steels of the world is probably one of those ones that have done quite well. And in fact, also going on from that, um, you know, China pulling back on steel output and coal uh, usage of coal is going to help our external or outside of China steel producers. So that I think that is a really good sign, I think. So there's two ticks there. However, the negative for me that they are in some, they do have some contracts in Thailand and Indonesia. And I'm a little bit concerned uh, about, especially Indonesia, I've been burnt over there before for share prices and I really don't understand the geopolitical landscape there. So uh, I always like to invest in companies that I understand what's going on in the, and the regions that they're in. So for me, that means uh, it looks really good on the chart, but I'd probably put it on a hold. I prefer blue scope steel if I was asked or pushed to get a better one. I think that one has a better uh, outcome going forward. So it would be a hold again from me. Uh, Nathan, what do you think of uh, Bizzaloy? It's sort of, it's got a real specialty, hasn't it, in that mm. that high tensile steel? And, yeah, and look, yeah, you know, you know me, I'm a big fan of anything defense unique, uh, something that's uh, you know not the common thematic. So I think Bizzaloy is a it's a really interesting business. Um, but look, I agree with a lot of things uh, Dorsey said. Um, I mean, the emerging markets you've got to be careful right now especially places like in Southeast Asia, a pandemic effects are still playing. The economy is really tough. 
and what China is going through with reform will have a substantial ripple effect through the emerging markets, especially in Southeast Asia. Uh, they're all dependent on China. So that will be a, a tough to work out. Their revenue hasn't been growing recently. Their margins have expanded quite a bit. So that's uh, kept them, uh, I suppose, rev the profits going up, but it's not because of uh, revenue growth. So the contract wins are critical. It's going to be tough with where it is, the global economy at the moment. Everyone's slowing down. A lot of the emerging markets are a bit tight for cash at the moment, and their economies are under stress. Markets are doing well, obviously, because of stimulus. But the economies are still struggling. So I'd be a bit careful here. Uh, and if you look at the steel ETF overall, they've all come off the boil, even the good ones like Blue Scope. Um, you know, when Blue Scope ran, uh, even the dogs like Sims Metal followed it up. So everyone ran up, and now they're coming off with all commodities. We kind of saw the, uh, I suppose, the writing on the Chinese economy around May, June, and a lot of things have come off from there. So in the short term, I'd be a bit careful. But I think the longer term play in this one is pretty good. I, I actually like it. You know, don't fight Turnbull. Uh, he knows how to invest. So uh, oh, the longer term picture, right. I think, still holds up pretty well. Um, I think th the only problem is in the shorter term, I think you probably will get a better buy in uh, later this year. So I'd be keeping it on the watch list and probably around, if you think about the commodity cycles, generally around November, December, that's when you want to get into commodity plays, uh, yeah. the, the growth plays. So I would say steel is still interesting. I think Bizalo is doing interesting things. And it's in the right areas. And I think when the growth cycle starts to recover again, I think it'll run. But I think you could get it cheaper in the next couple of months. Okay. All right. Okay. So put on your watch list. All right. Uh, Nathan Lakshan wants a view on Mincor Resources, the uh, the nickel producer in the, the Cambolder district of WA. Yeah, look, I mean, if you think about what's happening in the commodity prices, as I just said previously, we thought there'll be a bit of weakness coming in. That's playing out. US dollar is rising. So I'd say in the shorter term, you're probably going to get a bit of pressure on all commodities. And China is going through some reform changes and the power crunch is extra on that with supply side issues. So all of these things will hit uh, the commodity prices. So I'd say you're probably going to be looking at weaker prices. But Minkos, look, they've just raised money. Uh, they're doing more work. So in that context, your risk of them having to dilute you is probably already done. <coughs> So that's probably positive. Uh, but look, all for me, we've always played it through the better quality plays like IGO. That's been our nickel play, and that's done really well. Um, and my long-term play in that. So we've got out of all of those in in recent times, and we're keeping it on the watch list. Minko's all right. Um, but look, when you're in a tough part of the cycle, when everyone talks about commodity boom, you buy everything in that commodity. But we're in that tougher part of the cycle when things are coming off, when we're trying to see some support out of China. So till then, I wouldn't be jumping in, especially in the lower end. And this is not the high quality nickel play right. for me. Okay. Uh, Adam? Uh, yeah, look, uh, Mincor, it, it's an interesting one. I mean, the, the, their exploration success has really sort of stretched, I guess, the valuation of the stock. And I think the market certainly got behind it over, over the last coming couple of um months as uh, as some of that exploration starts to come through that location one discovery has shown a lot of potential and that they discovered some really good nickel sulfides um a, a couple of a weeks ago which were were some really impressive results golden mile also gave them some quite success or good success as well um which I think, you know, with some of that locations and what they've done and potentially to add tons to a sort of a five year project scenario, I think it is actually quite good. 
but I'm with Nathan. Uh, IGO is the better pick in this play and has done uh, uh, and will continue to do very well uh, going forward. So, look, for me, this one's a hold. Just on a stretch on the valuation at the moment, does look a little bit toppy. And, you know, as we just talked about, commodity prices uh, move first and then the share prices will follow. And I think this one's just in a little bit of a tougher space at the moment. Okay. All right, uh, Dom wants a view, Dorsey, on lend lease. Dom says, I own lend lease at an average price of eight forty nine. As the price is drifting lower, I'm thinking of topping up if the price continues to fall. What does the panel think of uh, lend lease as a buy under ten bucks? Of course, it's a big international and and, and property and infrastructure group uh, operates in Australia, Asia, Europe, uh, and America. Um, has had had some good times, but made some big mistakes, and they're expensive. Yeah, it, it certainly has had some uh, had a bit of a checkered past, and then certainly got hit pretty hard when they talked about that engineering division uh, a, a couple of years ago that basically wasn't making any money, and they had to divest it. And I yeah. think that's when the market got a little bit um, uh, hesitant about what they were doing going forward. I think well, I still remain really quite cautious, so it would be a hold for me on lend lease. Uh, reasons are that there's a bit of talk about their divesting of their communities or some of their larger assets that they need to divest. I think that's the first thing that they need to do and that will sort of square up the balance sheet. They've got a couple of leases uh, up and coming in Melbourne as well, which are going to uh, their sort of their major headquarter office, which they need to look at. And if they do do some sell downs of their projects, I think that should do quite well, which should recognise around about sort of 380 million across some of those assets, mm. which is going to be quite, which will be quite good as well, which is going to obviously keep the dividend and keep the balance sheet. But I do still remain cautious. I think uh, a lot of the profit is going to go into uh, the company being quite or being sustainable. And that should uh, obviously, um, you know, do a little bit of pressure on the balance sheet. The gearing's at their top end of their range of sort of 10 to 20 percent. And I think that, that that's why they're looking to sell down some of these uh, some of these community centres to allow that uh, um that gearing to come below that sort of 20% mark. So look, it's still a hold for me. It looks like the market's still not taken by this business and by the stock. And I think that's really what they need to get is confidence back into the market going yeah. forward. But I've, I've always loved Lendlease. It's a, it's, a, it's a good business. Yeah, share price five year low. Obviously what you're saying, Dorsey, is that the market lost confidence in it. It's trying yeah. Yeah. to build that confidence back. So does it, does it trim the organisation, does it? It sort of, it, it, it became a behemoth, didn't it, on, on yeah, the world it stage? Is. And they're hard to control. They are very hard to control as well as, you know, you've got, you know, they were building Google um, projects in South uh, San Francisco and that was a great headline for them as well. But I think just, yeah, the, the, their balance sheet needs to be tidied up a bit. Gearing needs to come under control and the market confidence. So all of those things, putting all of those together, is probably mean it's actually not a bad buy down here. But I haven't seen the confidence in the market and I haven't seen that real sort of uptick in the share price to sort of get behind it again. And I think it's just going to take a little bit longer uh, for that to happen. Yeah. Nathan, co companies like this, when they announce projects, they are massive, aren't they? They can be worth billions of dollars, which sounds great if you get them <laughs> right. If you get them <laughs> wrong, God, they, they can really kill you. Can't they, as an investor? Yeah. yeah, they can cost you billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, I look, uh, this is um, this is what I uh, classify as you find dead bodies every six months. 
Um, and it's, it's one of those ones where you know you're going to get hit, but everyone tries to pick the bottom and try to play the value trade. And you just want to look at the macro picture of where it is. We've just had probably the, the best macro for construction plays in the world for a long time. And these guys are a behemoth. They're everywhere. Uh, it's hard to control. And the problem with these kind of construction plays is when you're in that leverage play, you just have to go to more and more leverage to get more and more growth because the market, uh, capitalism just wants more growth. So for them, they've done it. Now they're going through that phase of deleveraging. And this is happening globally. Um, and what's happening in China is an, it's an interesting thematic with what's happening with Evergrande, et cetera. China has moved to curb their property construction cycle, and that's having an effect. And what happens there will have a ripple effect in construction cycle uh -huh. globally, and that will have some effect. I mean, these guys are so big, um, CIMIC and uh, Lend Lease. It's very hard. It's a science project to work out how the ripple effect will play through for everyone. Right now, you just it, there's just too much uncertainty in the sector. There's all, so many joint ventures in projects and funding that goes through in global projects. And you're going to find at some point, you're going to find some big projects that you, you, know, you run out of a partner and then you have to fund it and it becomes a mess. So this is where when you're looking at a reflation cycle, when globally people are looking at deleveraging cycle, you don't want to be in a construction play. Um, so for me, as much as I, I do look at it, I mean, look, CIMIC is a bigger mess. So I think Lendlease is a better quality than CIMIC, but that's just a low bar. Um, I think it's a hard sector. I think it's you're just taking on too much risk. You want people to basically throw it away and not look at it. Right now, everyone wants to try and pick the bottom in Lendlease, so I'm not. Um, I'm just waiting for everyone to lose interest and say this is a complete basket case. Then it becomes an ugly buy. Uh, at this point, it's just ugly. So I'm staying out, right. waiting for things to clean out. But if Evergrande goes belly up in China, then the ripple yeah. effect. I was because uh, I was I've done, done some work in it, um, read some research reports because I was thinking, could this really be, you know, the new Lehman Brothers and start a, a global crunch? Flame and hell, this is an enormous company, isn't it? Um, it's got something like 300 bankers that it owes $250 billion to. And the residential property market in China has a glut. They've got enough empty apartments to house 90 million people, apparently. Yeah. The numbers are staggering, yeah. Nathan. If it falls over, yeah, it'll be catastrophic. I was working in the US um, and our biggest, the firm I was working for is a tech firm and our biggest client was actually, uh, one of our biggest clients was Bear Stearns. So when wow. it went down, I went through the whole process of how it plays out. I think Evergrande is more of a Bear Stearns than a, a Lehman. I don't right. think Evergrande is going to uh, blow up the system, but it's a system that the Chinese are squeezing to deflate. It's not, it's not the reason that we're having a problem. It's just a symptom of what the Chinese government is doing. So I don't think it's going to blow up the system, but it will reset the, uh, the thematic and it'll reset the industry. So Lendis will be affected by that. The, the, the amazing part about what you just said is there's so much Chinese money that gets filtered through around the world in construction cycle. So we just don't know how that ripple effect is going to play out. And it's going to play out over the next couple of months. So yeah. I just think it's just too hard. I mean, there's some areas where you just got to say, I just don't know enough. And I just think the downside risk is high. 
I'm just going to stand outside and have a look. Yeah, because if it falls over, it cuts uh, credit from the banks to other borrowers. The property market fades in construction market in China. That affects steel production. That affects iron ore exports and the prices there. We will get caught in the ripple effect of it. Hopefully, it's and, it's not too bad. And the other thing to remember is every construction project around the world is, you know, mainly on a joint venture process. So multiple con- uh, developers and construction groups get together. So if one goes down somewhere, suddenly a number of projects will lose a partner, and then you have to find another partner. And obviously, you're going to have yeah. you know issues with that. And we know with construction groups. Every project has cost blowout. I mean, have a look at every project in New South Wales. Uh, the budget's just, you know, what the initial budget is probably three, four times what the final budget is. So reality is they go wrong in a normal circumstance. Now we've got an abnormal circumstance. So you just got to be careful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, let's move back home after, as I said, I've been having a look at Evergrande just to see what the hell it was. How can a little... Chinese property developer impact the world until you look at it and you go, it's not little. a little, it's freaking huge. It's not huge. little. Oh, no, it is freaking huge. I didn't realise how big it was. Um, Adam Chandana wants a view on Domino's, the uh, the pizza oh. chain that everyone goes, oh, it's just in Australia, but no, it's in New Zealand, France, Belgium, Netherlands, Japan's big for it. Even Monaco, it runs uh, yep. Domino's in Monaco as well. Um, yep. has been an amazing performer. A lot of people say it's more a tech company than a pizza company, but it's a, a combination of both, isn't it? Yeah, it is certainly. In there. And they've also started to expand into Taiwan as well as of uh, June this year. So, look, they're, they're, they're definitely getting out there and uh, putting some extra toppings uh, across <laughs> all of boom, the boom. stores. <laughs> I had to have one. I had to yeah, have yeah, one. Yeah, you right. did. You can't help Good yourself. <laughs> So, uh, look, look, Domino's, I think, at the moment is priced to perfection. Okay, so in other words, it, you probably don't need to be in it at these levels. Any kind of pullback or anything like that, I think this one will do well. But I think it's absolutely priced to perfection. They had a solid 2021 result, uh, which was in line with consensus and slightly ahead uh, of a lot of uh, businesses. The store rollout is doing well and, and uh, they have got higher dividends, uh, which has certainly been a key positive for them. Um, however, like, I, I think at the moment the, the, the store is doing, is doing well, but it's not without concern. And I think over the last sort of last while, we've obviously seen these COVID uh, comps start to come through. But the big thing for us is the, gla- the global labour shortage. That has right. certainly put a lot of uh, these store rollouts plus these franchisees mm. seeing uh, that it's done very, very difficultly. Australia New Zealand has done well, obviously, with these lockdowns because you can't be bothered. So you may as well order a $5 pizza and uh, that's been working really well. But their, their, their labour shortage has really sort of hit the bottom line. So mm. I think that's certainly one that I think you need to be careful of. But I think it's price to perfection. Valuation is quite full here. If you if you own it, definitely hold on to it because there's nothing wrong with what they're doing. But I just think if you're a new shareholder in this one, I think you wait. I th- I'd like to see $115 on it before uh, or it's a decent pullback, but that's probably where I'd like to see some value start to come back into the stock. Okay. Nathan? Yeah, it's not a tech stock. Uh, let me start with that. It is not a tech stock. It's a pizza maker, but an absolute humdinger of a pizza maker. I mean, look, I, I used to have doubts about this business model, 
Uh, but look, they've done, they've executed as well as I could have ever imagined. I mean, going into Japan and selling pizza there, I thought they're crazy. Uh, but no, they did it. They learned, they fixed it, they killed it. They have been expanding every time. This is one of those stocks every quant fund, every long short fund wants to short. And then you get killed again and again and again. Every time you think they've reached peak growth, they go and buy another region and then they execute even better than what you could. And it's just amazing at how well they've done. It, it just I just can't get myself to ever say, sell this stock or short this stock because everyone has tried for over a decade and they just keep getting it wrong. So I'm not playing this short one, but it is one, and Dorsey's right, it's not cheap. It's never going to be cheap. The damn thing is so well managed and it's got itself in such a good position that it's hard to see it underperform too much. It will come back when the market does and that's an opportunity to buy. Look, they make, I mean, you go through their offering online, they've, they've done so well, they customize so well, they try and sell you the cheap thing. By the time you buy a cheap $5 pizza, you buy so much crap on the way out, you end up spending like $15, $20 for the damn pizza. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a JB Hi-Fi online. They get you to buy things you don't need. Uh, so it, it's done well. It's It should do well. It's a really good model. I think the management is as good as you're going to get for that space. Um, so, look, I love everything about it except the price. But there's a reason why the price is high. So it'll come back with the market when there's a pullback. If that happens, close your eyes and buy it. Okay. All right. But if you're in it, you keep holding it. Bloody earth. You know, it's, it's as good as the pizza. <laughs> All right. So it's in... Oh, so what do we put? You both said hold uh, if you're in it. It's, it's in I'll, the calls portfolio. Uh, we, we sort of take the view if it's a hold, it stays there. Would you keep it in yeah, the, the calls portfolio? Look, I'd yeah. say the, the market has a hold and the target price lower than the current price. History tells me whenever the market does that, you want to hold on to the stock. Okay. All right. Dorsey, agree? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's definitely a hope. It's, it's a behemoth. You can't go wrong with it. Okay. All right. Let's recap the first five stocks. Uh, our future fund stock is, is Global Data. Group from Dorsey. Uh, Navigator. Um, Mathan likes it at these levels and, and likes the company. Uh, Dorsey's got a hold on it. He prefers perennial in that space. Uh, Bizaloy, uh, a hold from Adam. Um, um, Mathan is saying keep it on your watch list for a, a bit of a pullback. Uh, Mincor Resources, uh, IGO is the preferred uh, company in that particular sector, in the nickel sector, from both uh, Mathan and Adam. Uh, Lendlease, a hold from, uh, from Adam, a no from Mathan and Domino's is a hold from both. Here at uh, the call, we've been tracking our own uh, fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner, NabTrade. Uh, all the stocks that get two thumbs up or, or a buy from both our export experts goes into the portfolio. Let's see how it's been going. For the week, uh, down 0.9%. For the month, down 2.25% since the 1st of July this year up 3.4% uh, since inception, uh, July the first last year, up just under 40%. Some of the stocks recently added, uh, Cogstate, Chuas, Early Pay, Next DC, and Dusk. Some of the stocks removed, uh, A2 Milk, New Hope, Medical Developments, and Rio Tinto, if you wanna see 
some of the stocks in the calls portfolio, uh, all of them there, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. All right, let's get into uh, the uh, the second half of the call. And Harand Adam wants a view on OneView Healthcare. Now, it's a Irish healthcare technology company that provides tools for patients and their caregivers. Um, it currently services 63 ho- hospitals operating in the US, Australia, the Middle East and Asia. And since the start of this year, share price has done pretty well. Adam, what do you think of OneView? Yeah, so I, I think this is all, all about contract momentum for these kind of uh, businesses and, and, and that needs to continue to go. So more hospitals using these things or more doctors using their products, those kinds of things I think is really, really important. So that, that momentum needs to, to happen and, and needs to happen fast. The second thing is I look at their balance sheet and, and, and balance sheet needs to be doing well. And I think that's the thing that management uh, is confident about how they're going to run this business. Um, and the, the, I guess the, the third thing that I'm always careful of is, is these sort of medical businesses or technology medical businesses going around the world, which all sounds really, really good. But then you've got to have sales staff to get in there and actually sell these products to the hospitals and to the doctors and those kinds of things. Now, the problem is with hospitals is that they are stretched to the max at the moment. They don't have much of a budget. The government continues, well, here in Australia, but you know, around the world, they're always looking for to cutting budgets uh, left, right and centre. And it's really tough to get, uh, to get the medical staff to actually take five minutes out of their day to potentially look at a business that might actually do quite well for them over the long haul. So... For me, this is a little bit of a, a one that I'd be a little bit cautious on due to the fact, yes, they've got hospitals around the world doing this, but the staff that they need to get on the ground to get these guys to do these things is very, very difficult. Obviously, COVID has restricted a lot of travel, and that's where you need to be in front of these doctors at medicals, uh, medical conferences, those kinds of things to get them to, to use the products. So, look, it has done really, really well. Um, for me, it's probably one that I don't usually get involved with. So I'm going to say a hold. Only for the fact is that uh, one of these things is is that it's I don't feel confident about them getting out and doing some sales work going forward. And then if, even if they do have these people that come in and say, okay, um, yeah, we'll, we'll take it, then they need to service those people. And so there's a whole new raft of people, account managers, those things that need to come through as well. So for me, it, yeah, it, it, I'm confident that they can do well, but it's going to take some time. And I think that's going to be a stretch on the balance sheet at the moment. So it's yeah. a hold from... Okay. And, and Nathan, if you look at those charts, you look at the five-year chart, if we can just bring that up, Claudia, um, which looks horrible. Uh, and then you look at the one-year chart. That's the five-year one. Let's back it up with, with the one-year. The younger one-year goes, oh, hell, it got down to, down to four cents and now it's up to 38 cents. Yeah, it's, it, it's one of those ones where uh, what's, uh, what has been good for it could be what holds it back as well, as right. Dorsey was saying. Uh, the pandemic has been great for the healthcare sector, but now that uh, we are, uh, I guess the economic conditions are forcing everyone to have to open up, um, now we have to deal with the other side of it. Um, so it's going to get tougher, and he's right, in the context that it's not as simple as selling them an online service. Um, you have to follow through, you have to do the sales pitch, you have to do the servicing, you have to customize. All of these things will require staff. And right now, staffing costs are going up everywhere, um, and that's going to play into it. 
And if you think about what has happened over the last, well, I suppose, year to date in 2021, healthcare stocks have done really well, uh, nothing like a pandemic to, to boost share prices. And so they've had a pretty good run. All the service providers, you know, you go from diagnostics plays like you know, IDX to um, Sonic Healthcare, all of these guys have had a really good run. But because we thought during the pandemic, they get shut down, they don't get much service done. But then we realized post pandemic, it's a catch up phase and they recover quite well. So everyone knows that and they're priced quite well for it. Now the healthcare stocks are starting to come off. And again, uh, as Dorsey said, governments need to cut back. They've all they've loaded up on debt. They're trying to find places to cut cost. And the biggest cost in every budget is healthcare. So they find, um, in, I suppose, funny ways of cutting cost in an indirect way through health. So health services will see cost cutting coming through and that's just gonna make things harder. I know quite a few of my friends who work in the hospital industry, it's tough. And they're always facing budgetary problems and they're always facing uh, staff shortage. So it's a tough place to be. The guy who has access to the hospitals is doing well because it's very rarely that people change. So it's, yeah. look, it's just done a good bounce, but the execution of this going forward to keep the momentum, they have to do a lot and that will test uh, markets in the short term. So I'm not getting excited. We've, we've actually played it through the healthcare sector, the bigger players. So if you're thinking, I want to look at the long-term play, you want to play the global guys with the big balance sheet, with the diversified play. And for me, one of the, you know, the no-brainers have been Sonic Healthcare. Their proven model, global model, diversified model, you know, they, they did evolve with what's happening around the world. And I don't think the pandemic is going, yeah. away, going anywhere in the short term. Uh, even in the medium term, over the next couple of years, I think it'll still be around and Sonic will continue to do well. So or it's expensive, so is every healthcare stock. So I don't think you're going to be shocked by this coming off because I think it'll follow everything else. And this is a micro cap, so your risk is much higher. So I'm not there sure. at the moment. Okay. All right. Lee wants a view, Nathan, on Austal, the Australian shipbuilder and, and global defence contractor, seven shipyards around the world, five countries. Lee says, uh, trading at eight times earnings, uh, $650 million market cap, 350 cash in the bank, net cash of 231 million. Share price copped the beating after average results in August. So it's a good time for a buy. Is it ugly? It's definitely ugly. Um, it does tick my box as very ugly and it could be an ugly buy. I do love a defense stock. Um, but in saying that geopolitical pressures have come off um, and, you know, nothing like a, a submarine deal that keeps changing around to uh, take the sentiment off. Um, so there's been a few negatives. The problem with Austell is they have to carry a fair amount of staff because when they win something, they need to be able to work. So they have a running cost, which is quite high. So it's one of those, it's a knife that cuts both ways. When they're winning projects, this thing has great operational leverage, but it's operational leverage on the way up and on the way down. So the problem with that is when things are not going well, they cost a fair bit, margins are weak, and they look pretty ugly. But when it turns, this thing can run hard. Now, the, the other thing about it is this tends to be non-correlated to economic growth. So you have a bit of defense when markets are a bit dicey. Again, that kind of plays into the current cycle. So yes, it looks ugly, I'm actually going for an ugly buy on this one, even though they had a bad result, which I don't think anyone was shocked by, that was expected. Uh, but this one looks like an ugly buy for me. I'm actually gonna buy, I'll put a buy on it and say, look, it's gonna be choppy in the short term, but you ride it through. Management actually does well 
for a bad industry. So I'm willing to back the management when things turn around. And I have a funny feeling over the next couple of months, geopolitics will pick up again. Austria will do a lot better. So mm. um, I'm okay. backing them to do better. Adam? Yeah, so we cover this one at Shore and Partners. I'm going to stay with my analysts on this one. It's a buy. Uh, we see opportunities on the horizon, and that's sort of the first thing uh, that we can saw or we can look at Austil uh, is some of those opportunities. And recent track record in the US should have uh, should help their tender prospects uh, with some new contract awards and some new catalysts going forward for it to re-rate. But I think that's the key. And Nathan definitely sort of talked about it as well as that. Um, the potential for more uh, company announcements and, and, and that those key catalysts uh, are going to allow it to re-rate higher. So it does trade by a little bit of appointment, which I means basically then when there's an announcement that they've won a contract, then the market starts to get behind it and starts to buy it up again. Um, but we could see some re-rating on this one going forward. So major vessel, vessel awards in the US is what we're expecting in the sort of the first half and the second half of this year. Sorry, so next calendar year, sorry. Uh, so yeah, those kind of re-rates should make the share price start okay. to move higher. And I'm gonna stay with Shores on a buy with it. Okay, and one of the shipyards is uh, in the US, so I can get those US defense contracts. So they're- uh, Yeah, San Diego. They're looking to secure that uh, contract uh, for that dockyard in San Diego. Yeah, oh, already one in Tennessee, I think, as well. So uh, um, they're hoping the sort of friction between China and the US continues. It's always good for defence budgets. Um, Don't now, worry, it'll pick up in the next couple of days. Oh, OK. Make well, we're expecting a uh, trade deal chat from the uh, head of uh, trade in, out of US tonight. So. I suspect mm. the friction will get a bit rubbed up. Okay, all right, keep keep a watch out for that. Uh, Adam Rosie wants a view on Zero, the online accounting platform that dominates small business uh, here in Australia. Rosie says, uh, is it a buy and is it a good company? Well, yes, it's a good company. There's no doubt about that. It's a fantastic business. Whether it's a buy up here, um, let me talk about it first, and then maybe I'll make my yep. decision going forward. But look, we we, we really like Zero, um, and we just uh, we're getting a lot of read through from QuickBooks on their fourth quarter uh, result. They led, uh, they had a really good, strong results, and for 2022, that suggests uh, a further growth for um, uh, Zero. But Zero's online services, and what I really love about this business is their online services because. What they can do is they can track all of your spending. And so what happens going forward from this one is that they can then start selling your services or their online services, which is going to drive the growth going forward. And I think that online ecosystem, I think, is fantastic. And that, and the accounting side of things is growing at sort of 28% per annum, but their online businesses are growing around about 43% per annum. So that, yeah. again, is looking good. And I think that's what will really drive the uh, growth going forward. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go on a buy on this one, uh, albeit it is a little bit toppy here and, and, and looks good. I just think that these guys really know what they're doing. And I think you got confident. I've got very, a lot of confidence in management going forward. So, yeah, I'm going to stick a buy on that one, David. Nathan? Mm. Yeah, look, it's a New Zealand tech. Enough said. Um, look, <laughs> they, they, they are a really good business. I, I mean, I, I think I've um, talked about this before. Um, my old shop, when, um, when this first listed, uh, accountants who use the product were chasing this stock and they were buying it at 50 bucks. 
and then it fell to 20 bucks. They did not blink an eye. They said, this product is so good, they did not care. They knew that the long-term play is good, and you know they've been bang on. Uh, so in that context, it's proven product. Um, I just didn't think it could go and grow as well as it did in the US. I thought it'll take a lot longer. Uh, the way the accounting and the customer base is situated in Australia and New Zealand are quite different to how it's set up in US. But they've done much better than what the market thought. They're growing quite well. It's a really good product. This is up there with Domino's, where again, all the quant and the long short guys like to short, and they've been shorting, getting killed, shorting, getting killed, shorting, getting killed. So let's stop doing that. Uh, they are very good. They execute well, high quality management. Uh, and, you know, I, I think uh, Dorsey's right. They've got, they're learning to now use the data to deliver other services. So it's, it almost becomes a platform tech. And, you know, I love those platform tech words, but everyone knows that. So it's not going to be cheap. So I suspect that it's going to trade quite well. When the market has a pullback, it'll come off. We're in a cycle where reflation rates are going to go up over the next decade. So growth stocks will come back a bit, but that'll give you a buying opportunity. A pullback with the market, you buy zero and dominoes with your eyes closed because you know they're going to be doing well over the next decade. Okay. So are you saying buy it or? Look, if you have it, I'll be holding it. Um, reality is, if you're worried about the market, this is the kind of stock you buy because even if it comes back, you can sleep yep. easy. Yep. You know, we talk we talk about fintechs um, on this platform a lot. The Startup Daily Show talks about um, fintechs. I've always thought Zero would be the perfect small business bank. You know, they've got a massive customer base. They've got all the data that the banks use to grant loans. Uh, mm. They put their algorithms in there to check it, and I thought, yeah, that that would be an enormous mm. play. Uh, sort of zero could become the new square, I reckon, uh, in the future. Small business. Bank. They could become a rating agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly right. Um, Nathan Georgie wants a view on uh, on no Adam. We'll go with you on this. Uh, yes. Start start off with you. This was <laughs> your um, stock that could change your life, Calix. Um, now, just explain what Calix do, does again. Okay, so Calix is a really interesting business where it's got it's got a very diverse range of uh, products that they can use. Whether that's war, so it's an ESG business or an environmental social governance business, and right. it's more on the environmental side of things versus the other social and governance side of things. But so it, it's got a lot of sort of tailwinds that it's just being an ESG company is is doing very very well. But really, what the the idea of Calix and, and the major thing is is that they take heat out of the cement production business. Now, you wouldn't think that cement is is uh, you know damaging, but obviously that we we produce a lot of cement around the world. And one of the things that they use is is a treatment plant uh, to take uh, heat and and change the chemical structure of cement as it goes through, which then produces uh, CO2 gas. So what Calix have done is they've got, and it's really simple. It's like if you look at their their presentations, it's this, just this tube that basically uh, that they run the cement through, which takes the heat out of it and captures that CO2, and then they're able to then to store it, use it, do whatever they need to do. So that's the basis of Calix. Mm. But the the real gem of this business is the royalties that they get after each. And I'm going to say a ton of cement, but I don't know the the, the but they the, they get the 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 royalties going forward. Now they've got those royalties in a couple of the cement productions in Europe, but 
it is they can, they can expand this across the world, and that that's that's the big thing. It's just under about eight hundred and fifty dollar million market cap at the moment. We think it could get up to a two billion dollar market cap. So there's some plenty of growth going forward if they can start to win some more contracts, get those things going, and then they can then move that technology to other areas, water processing. There's lots of other areas that they can do. So the company's got a huge runway, sitting around about five bucks at the moment, four dollars ninety. We've got to buy on it. I think it's it's a great business and uh, okay. you know fits a lot of those thematics. Okay, you've got to buy on it now. You uh, when we did our um uh stocks that could change your life it was three dollar three dollars and two um so that's uh there you go yeah yeah i know it's uh it's been the best performer in that uh, little portfolio um no Nathan, what do you reckon yeah look it's an interesting stock uh you know me anything with a thematic that's out of the norm uh, i'm interested in looking at um look esg i mean you look at uh, australian um uh, what is it, AFF, um, that's done uh, phenomenally well when you're looking at investing into that thematic. And these guys kind of fit into that thematic. Um, it, it comes down to whether they, they can continue to uh, deliver new uh, contracts, new wins, get that growth going. Because the problem right now for me in this kind of buying the concept is that the market over the last two or three years has paid quite a decent premium multiple for growth stocks, especially concept growth stocks. Now we're getting to that point where cost of borrowing is rising. So the market is starting to ask the question, can you execute? So there is a lot of consolidation going on in a number of sectors, different sectors. When early growth story, they're trying to diversify. They're trying to become a, a better machine. So in that context, they need to keep delivering for the market to get excited. I think the upside is there. Um, the question is going to be, will the market keep buying growth stocks? we are in a cycle where growth stocks are coming off so if the market wobbles concept stocks will struggle so I, I think it's an interesting stock worthwhile taking the risk but it's had a pretty good run so i would say at this point if you're going to go in i'd buy part of it and have a look at it in two to three months wait for the next couple of updates if they keep upgrading delivering then you follow up because if it starts to if it, if it continues to do well i think there's a long runway but I think you've got to remember the recent run, the market has priced in a fair amount. So yep. you've got to be a bit careful where you are in the growth value trade at the moment. Yep, one of those toe-in-the-water toe stocks and then That's keep right. following it, ride it up. All right, Henry, our final stock. Henry wants to view uh, Mason on Red 5, the uh, gold producer with uh, projects in Western Australia and the Philippines. Gold, gold stocks have been horrible, haven't they? Yeah, uh, look, we, we've been positive on gold stock and it's been hammered. Uh, a lot of that have been hammered. But it's, it's the interesting part is we've predominantly chose the Aussie gold miners simply because we had the perception that um, as things play out, Aussie dollar will be the one under threat. So the Aussie dollar should come off and should help the margin. So if you look at spot gold in Aussie dollar terms, it's doing quite well. Um, it's holding up around to 2400 level. So most Aussie gold miners, uh, their cost base is probably half that. So, you know, I'd love to have a 100% profit margin business. Um, and the gold miners are doing relatively well in that context. But um, obviously, that doesn't actually trade in line with the Aussie dollar gold price. They trade in US dollar gold price. And that's come off. And mainly because we've had a, a decent bounce in the yields, the bond market sell off, and the gold prices come off. I think the bond market uh, sell-off has reached a level where it's actually worth taking the risk out of equities into bonds 
because if you took a look at the long-term uh, returns in U.S. markets, it's around two to an half percent yield. So the bond market now 30 years giving you two percent. So in that context, you can get a risk-free two percent. So I think it's interesting here, so that it'll move across. So I'd expect the bond yields to come off from here. Um, you've got economic downgrades, you've got geopolitics, you've got issues with China. This will all play out over the next, and you've got tapering coming at the end of the year. So there's a fair amount of macro risk over the next three months, and that should help gold, and it'll drive a certain amount of risk off trade. Because if you look at asset allocation globally, uh, we're at 50-year high into equities and 50-year low in cash. So in that context, it's, all, it's a complete risk on. So I suspect that that's going to change and that'll play into the gold. So if you look at the macro side, I still think the macro is still positive for gold. Yes, we've had a pullback. Equities tend to have even bigger pullback and that's played out. Um, I'm still holding our stocks. I think that'll turn around. So in that context, that's my macro view. Um, in as, as far as the stocks are concerned, we tend to go with the Aussie gold miners mainly because of the currency upside. Um, so that, again, red gets the tick on that. Uh, red's doing well in recently, mainly because of, uh, I suppose it's been underperforming, but it's it's holding up mainly because of the exploration upside. It's it's a tricky one. I'm not much into the explorers in the commodity side at the moment. I look for the producers. So we've kind of gone with the bigger producers. So, you know, Northern Star is your high quality. You've got your evolutions. Uh, and then you've got Silver Lake, um, and then you've got, you know, if you go down, you can get Gold Road, you've got West Gold. So a lot of these guys have done well, but, you know, they've all come off. So right now you're getting a bargain basement price in a lot of the gold stocks. So I don't feel the need to have to take the risk in an explorer. So I'm staying on the bigger ones. Right. But look, reds are beaten up, but look, I, I still think you get a lower, I mean, you get you take on lower risk and get very good returns out of the high quality big one. So I, I don't see the need to, you have to go down. Well, you always tell us when you're looking at commodity stocks, you buy them at the bottom of the cycle when they're ugly. Uh, they're ugly at the moment. Your old sparring partner, Gaurav Sodhi was on uh, Ausbiz an uh, hour and a half ago saying, you know, this is the time to buy gold stocks. So I know you, yeah. hate, agree you hate agreeing with him, but you might, might have agreement <laughs> on that one. That one. Uh, Dorsey, what do you reckon of Red 5 and, and gold stocks in general? Yeah, look, so gold stocks in general today are doing quite well. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm with Nathan. I, I prefer Northern Star as a sort of the best pick in that sort of top end uh, market. But look, certainly Red 5 has done well. They've updated the market on a Sayana, which is uh, one of their projects that they're selling, uh, as well as their, their Darlot strategy, which is basically moving away from that. And I think getting rid of some of those non-core assets. And then really the, the big one is the King of the Hill uh, mine or project that they've got going, which really does simplify the business going forward. Um, so look, I certainly think there's certainly some upside in, in red, but it is a junior explorer. I prefer to stay with the larger caps and uh, sounds boring, but Northern Star is a better play uh, going forward, right. especially when they just did that merger with Saracen, I, I think that 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 move is 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 bigger, and and it's coming in the gold space as well as a lot of other spaces in our market. But it's either go big or go home, and that's exactly what Northern Star have done. They started to to shore up that balance sheet, and I think it's the right thing. So, uh, Red Five would be a no from me. Okay, all right, gents, appreciate your time today, Maiton. Always good to see you, Dorsey. Likewise, thanks for joining us today on the call. Um, have a good day. Terrific team, aren't they? Great panel today, as usual. Uh, let's uh, just recap the final five stocks. Uh, One View Health, 
Um, a hold from um, Adam Mason, a no from him. He prefers Sonic in that um, in that healthcare sector. Uh, a yes on Austell for Austell from both Mathan and Adam. Uh, zero a hold from Mathan. Uh, Mathan a yes from Adam. Uh, Calix a yes from both. Um, Dorsey's been on Calix for for a long time. Uh, was part of our stocks that could change your life and has done well in the last three months. Mathan's saying um, it's one of those stocks for him. You put a bit of a toe in the water and then uh, see how it goes and add a bit later. And Red 5, a no from both. Uh, They both prefer Northern Star and Evolution. Uh, That's our show for today. If you've got any stocks you'd like us to analyse, uh, put them in an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. To see all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. I'll see you same time tomorrow from midday Eastern for another look at the call. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.